Welcome to the Third Growth Option Podcast, where we talk with business leaders and innovators hungry to drive growth that can be faster than internal organic growth and less risky than acquisition. Your moderator is Bernal Dunkerspuler, Chief Sherpa and CEO at Realign, who has led private equity-owned distributors through turnarounds and growth. With battle-proven leaders from all frontiers, we want to provoke thinking about business growth beyond conventional wisdom and binary choices. Hey, it's Ben out today talking with Amy Findlay at Finton Design about outsourced product design and development. And uh, Amy, say, say hi to everybody here. Hello. Hi, Benno. Thanks for having me on. So if you are or working in a product company like a manufacturer, distributor or, or a retailer, you're always under the pressure to keep product looking fresh, engineer it so quality and price are right. To do that, you know, yesterday as fast as possible, you know, as cheaply as possible. And and then when you get all that right, the product can, you know, drives growth and wrong product hurts sales. Uh, so the whole product design and development is, is super important for growth. So this episode is for companies that, you know, that are in the product development business, especially the consumer products and home products. And toward the end of the episode, I also want to ask you some questions about kind of your journey and, and, and your business partner, Glenn's journey to go from being a designer for hire, you know, as an employee to uh, starting your own design company. So does that sound like a good, good framework? Yeah, I'll answer everything I can. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, uh, so Amy, you have a BA in industrial design and you spent about 10 years on the retail side as a designer and buyer at the Bombay Company, I think for seven years, and then design director at JCPenney for about three years. And then you were VP of product design and marketing at a high, Maitland Smith, would you describe them as a high-end manufacturer distributor? Yes, absolutely. High-end manufacturer and wholesaler, yes. Right. Before we kind of talk about how you work with product companies, just tell me, what? why do you love being a designer? You studied it, you spent most of your career as a designer. What is it that makes you, you know, made you fall in love with product design? Well, I mean, of course, it's a passion for creating things, right? Sometimes it starts with painting or it starts with, you know, a more fine art. And then for me, it trickled into more of an industrial design, a product design and into <laughs> coincidentally furniture and creating things. I think that passion, it just stems from within you to make things. And then For me, I wanted to do more. I wanted to know more. I wanted the more business side of it. I wanted to develop more product and understand from start to finish, I guess. And so that's why my career kind of progressed as it did with other expertise. Why you went over into into the business end for a number of years as a buyer and senior buyer, maybe at the Bombay company. So let's let's kind of jump into, you know, product companies, like I said, manufacturers, distributors or retailers. What are some immediate benefits that a company gets when they hire you and Glenn? Well, I mean, there's, of course, many benefits in general, you know, our experience, right? So Glenn and I have worked together for over 20 years. And of course, combined, we have many, many more years experience in the industry. But that experience, you know, and in doing this, not only at a retail level, at a wholesale level, but also the manufacturing side, 
So that range of expertise uh, partnered with the business expertise. So knowing kind of the, that product life cycle and, and how it goes. We, of course, you know, provide the other expertise involved with all of this as well. So when you talk about the other expertise, I, I think you're, you're talking about sort of nuts and bolts of, you know, the beginning of the product develop, you know, the ideation process and then the trend information. Maybe talk us kind of through a project, right? Like beginning, middle and end of a project. You, you start how and where does it go from there? Of course, we, you know, we start with our client or the customer and, and what their needs are and what the consumer focus is. What does our client need and what does the end consumer need as well? And kind of get that scope and that idea. We research it. You know, there's imagery, there's mood boards. You, you know, you insert that filter of what's current and relevant and also what's to come with trends and colors. We go through sketches and renderings, ideation. Of course, at the same time, we're balancing that with the manufacturing part of it. Can it be made? What's that price that needs price point we need to hit? What's the retail? What's out in the marketplace? You know, are we going to be relevant? Are we going to be too fashion forward for our customer? That always is a fit that you have to look at. We look at other things like going into back to our customer and saying, okay, will this work? Is this something that you need? Is this going to fit your perspective, right? And then going through all those and then into making it. So the sampling process, you know, usually for most of our projects, we're hand in hand with the manufacturer and building that and revising it until recently. We, you know, we were in factories helping with that. That's a little bit more limited, obviously, with the restrictions in place right now. But in general, having that kind of framework for creating product and then giving our outside perspective it is a lot of what we offer. So that, that different lens of focusing on the product and focusing on the consumer need and the product development. So I bet there are times when a product company asks you to create design a widget, you know, we'll just call it widget A, because they think they need a widget A and they think you can create widget A. But then in the process of, you know, researching their capabilities, their market, their consumer, you might come up with a widget B and say, you know what, B is really more important than A or, or you need A and B, right? Right, exactly. And that's part of the process. You know, you go down that path and then we usually like to give options, right? So this is what you wanted. This is what you thought you wanted. And it may still be what you need, but through our ideation, through our process, this might be a great option for you to consider. That way you're giving, you know, various options for the buyer, for it, it might even be a factory at that point, depending on who our client is. That way there's options for that person to, to really think through what their need is. Because you work, you work with all types of product companies, right? B2B, B2C, retailer, manufacturer, distributor, wholesale. Exactly. Exactly. All of those. All of those. And, you know, percentage-wise, just in general, I think probably right now we have more manufacturing clients. But those manufacturing clients, we're still working with retail customers, wholesale customers, and, and direct-to-customer at this point, you know, given the expanse of... How that's exploded, right? Yes, 
Yeah. Right. And then, so you mentioned sort of the whole product life cycle from ideation to sampling to getting it, you know, manufactured and shipped and put on a shelf. Do you usually work on a, a product or collection in that entire life cycle, or or do you sometimes just do like maybe just the trend input and somebody else does the specking and the sampling? It's different by client. So because we have such a broad range of experience, we really customize it to the client. So we have some clients that just say, look, I need an overall you know, mood. I need an overall creative vision for this, you know, maybe a new collection. And then maybe they have a product development team already in place. And so we would help them kind of work through that. And then we might catch up on the back end. It all depends on the client needs and what other teams and structure that they have in place. In some cases, we follow it all the way from the beginning to the end. A recent project we had, it was sort of just original ideation into, you know, just the designs. And then we stepped away and they did the rest. It really just depends on the the client needs. So what do you think are typically the biggest challenges in in the design process? Is it it that the product stuff or is it the people in the process stuff or does it depend? There's several, right? So I think more of an issue recently has been sort of a shift in consumer behavior suddenly, right? So you used to kind of be able to anticipate a little bit of consumer behavior somewhat. In the last year, obviously, that's been a huge shift fast. With COVID. Yes, yes, absolutely. So working at home and all of a sudden we need more desk chairs and we need more desks, which was frankly a category that had downtrended for a while. So you have that part of it. That's a challenge, right? You, You need to stay on top of that. You need to be current. You need to be relevant. Price. Price is always a huge, a huge challenge because even at a high end for a customer, you still have to get the right look for the right price. And so making sure that you're staying on top of that as you design and as you work with your customer to understand that, especially with, you know, the recent shipping increases, cost increases, that's become a big focus, top of mind. And then, like you mentioned, people and processes. That's some of what we offer, what we can do that's a little bit of an advantage for us is eliminating that noise of people and processes that are sometimes in a company that that have... Um, sort of built up over time and we can kind of take ourselves out of that. We can laser focus on the product, use our outside perspective. And it seems simple, but you know, sometimes in larger companies and and even in smaller companies, that that sort of gets lost. So we're able to kind of kind of eliminate all that noise, sift through it and focus directly on the product. Because you've worked with so many different types of clients and so many different clients that all use, you know, different processes, different ways to get from point A to point B. So I think that's just part of the advantage of an outsider coming in and helping that, hey, yeah, we've seen these types of problems. Hey, here's another way to solve it that are more difficult when you're sort of sitting inside in the middle of it, right? Right, exactly. And again, it's just a different perspective. And so we may have had experience a different way or in a different experience in a different country or a different experience in a different material that maybe that partner had never considered. And speaking of countries, what factors in what countries have you mostly worked with? 
Oh gosh, all over. I mean, our experience is worldwide in general. You know, recently in the last 10 years, there've been a little bit more specifics, but I mean, Glenn even lived in the Philippines for a long time. So, you know, traveling through throughout Southeast Asia, we've been doing that for many, many years. And of course we traveled even with you a bit in Mexico many years ago and India, you know, we've done extensive travel throughout Europe, even when that we were doing seasonal business with ornaments and glass in the Czech Republic. And I mean, so it, it, very broad experience over time. Sounds like dozens of countries in three or four continents. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> and, and I think you mentioned earlier that you and Glenn are so used to sort of being on the floor, on the factory floor, helping to make things happen and how that, you know, due to COVID, you're not traveling all the time or, or maybe not at all. But I think just having been on the ground in dozens of countries and even pre-COVID, you still did a lot of things, you know, by email and, and Zoom calls, you know, even two or three years ago. So you guys are super comfortable and familiar with doing things remotely. Yes, absolutely. We have years of, of work at that. And that, that's been the easy part of COVID for us. You know, I think technology is certainly a vehicle, but having a few things like team, right? So team is the foundation to any house, if you will. And Glenn and I have worked together for so many years, plus established relationships with other manufacturers that we know and have worked with for decades. We can we know how they work. They know how we work. And so it's been a lot easier because of those relationships and foundation that we have and that knowledge. Right. So companies, you know, these product companies bring you guys in as, as the outsourced design and product development team because they're maybe lacking bandwidth or bench strength or maybe just need kind of a growth spurt in a, in a, in a certain area. How do you think about, you know, the pay angle of that? How do you like to be paid? And, and there are probably different ways that you make that work, right? Besides on time. <laughs> In general, we just like to be paid, no? You know, there's a lot of different ways that people work. Design fees, royalties. It can be a number of ways. It's really a hybrid usually, but it depends on the client. And it depends on how many services we're offering them and how many people they have on board as well. So it, it's hard to just, you know, throw something out, but it, it usually is a hybrid and, and making sure that they get the services that they need. But I think that in it by itself is an important statement, right? That you're saying, I mean, you basically, your answer is basically it's customer centric. Absolutely. You will listen to what makes sense for your client. For some clients, it makes sense to do a fixed fee. For others, it makes sense to do more of a royalty-based arrangement. You know, there's different sort of risk reward scenarios in, in that. And you guys have crafted payment solutions or pay solutions on either side of that spectrum, which is pretty cool. So let's kind of switch over a little bit to Amy and Glenn early in your career when, when you were W-2 employees at the Bombay Company or JCPenney or as an executive at Maitland Smith, you know, you had 
paychecks every other Friday, which is our favorite part of that world, right? That's, <laughs> that is the favorite part, yes. <laughs> that's the part we miss the most. Maybe it's the only thing we miss. <laughs> but what made you want to go into business for yourself? Well, of course, there's a number of reasons, right? I think... I think it's Dolly Parton who said, if you don't like the, the road you're walking, start paving in another. And there's always that entrepreneurial spirit, right? And the passion to being an entrepreneur and having your own business has to be a passion because it's not for the faint at heart, as you know. Um, <laughs> you, have to, you have to have <laughs> supreme dedication, but I think the rewards over time outweigh the risk. Just like you said, that Yes, it's not regular, and yes, it is very uncomfortable, but it's a holistic attitude. You're making the decisions, and you're reaping the rewards or failures, which you learn a lot from, too. I think Glenn and I you know, have said many times over the years, we, we just traveling and working together, we, we always laugh and make a joke and say, oh, you know, we should do this for a living. And then... <laughs> It's because sort of, we're pretty good at it. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so we kind of, we took that first step, I don't know, I guess about eight years ago or, or so and sort of started the dream. And then we had pretty much an exclusive client for five, six years that we looked after. And then we started to expand and sort of diversify our business and say, okay, what else can we do? Let's look at what other clients we can have. Let's look at how we can diversify everything and build and help more people. So it's interesting. You said your first client was an exclusive client, and 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 I started the same way. I had, uh, you know, the first five or six years, six and a half years, I think it was. I had one one client. It was not totally exclusive, but it was eighty percent exclusive. So I think that is a great way to sort of ease out of the paycheck every other Friday and into the entrepreneurial world. Because as an entrepreneur, you know, you, you know, the proverbial, you eat what you kill, which is a terrible way of saying, but, but, but that's what it is. I mean, you have to, you know, you, you have to build processes in your own business, you know, Fenton Design and for me, Realign. And there's, you know, business development and filling the pipeline and stuff that is not, has nothing to do with, you know, sort of the craft that we do on our client's behalf, but just getting a business up and running. The day-to-day chores too, right? Right. The chores, the chores. The housekeeping, (laughs) you know, the, the not so fun part behind the curtains. Exactly. Exactly. What advice would you give to a design employee considering going into business for themselves? Do it. (laughs) (laughs) I would just say, you know, you have to take that leap and it is so uncomfortable. And, And many people told me before, you have to get uncomfortable. You have to get uncomfortable. And I thought, what does that mean? What does that mean? I know what that means now. I'm very clear on it. But I think being afraid to succeed You can't, you have to be, you have to embrace failure and say, okay, well, you know what? That didn't happen, but what's the next thing? We say constantly, we always use, Glenn and I always use the word pivot, pivot, pivot. If that's not working, turn around and see what else is going to work. If we can't get in that door, then we're going to get in this door, you know, because you, you can't give up. That's another thing. You know, just, you have to stay focused. You have to keep going. And you know, this, this whole idea of, you know, 
embracing failure, pivoting, move on, it didn't work out, move on, you know, is a little different than working in corporate America. I think that is one of the things maybe we're taught, but it's not the first thing that we're taught. I think the first thing we're taught is sort of office politics of how do you portray yourself in a way that the team believes in you and thinks, you know, so so admitting to failures is not, corporate America is not really big on admitting to failures. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, right. Yeah, right? it's true. It's true. But, but as an entrepreneur, you know, I, I think we have to embrace failures, learn from them and, you know, use failures as stepping stones to, okay, now I know that doesn't work and that'll get me that much closer to being successful the next time, right? Right. Or, you know, I'm not going to do that again and we're going to do it differently this time. And I think that's also what helps us in our business too, because we've, we've had a lot of failures over time with products, with materials, with different things. We, we, we know the background, but just, you know, personally, that's been the hardest thing to ever overcome and the biggest learning is to accept those failures, learn from them and keep going. And to the extent that something was, you know, our own personal mistake to admit it to the client and say, you know what, I'll 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 make it right and that makes the relationship stronger in the end and makes it more fun for everybody, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, relationships and ethics are are first and foremost. And I think that's something you have to establish in your own company and sort of foster regularly. That, that, again, that's not something sometimes that's preached at a corporate level as far as fostering long relationships. And I think that's something you have to nurture over time and keep going with as well. If folks wanted to talk to you one-on-one, you know, be that prospective clients that wanted to hire Fenton Design or or other designers, you know, the 20-year younger version of you that wanted to just pick your brain on, on, on how to make the leap from employee to entrepreneur. How could folks reach you? Absolutely. So easy to get on our website, FentonDesign.com. And then also you can email info at FentonDesign.com. Very easy. We'd love to talk to anyone that we can help, whether it be professionally as a client or encourage and and help others in the journey, for sure. Excellent. And that's F-I-N-T-O-N, Finton Design. Great, Amy. Hey, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on design and product development and how you help, you and Glenn help companies grow grow faster through this uh, outsourced added uh, design capacity. Lots of good nuggets that came out of this. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Benno. Thanks for, for talking. It was nice to have a conversation about some of the journey. That's great. Thank you. Hey, uh, and if uh, folks wanted to contact me and you know talk about other growth topics one-on-one, you can find me at realignforresults.com or just email Benno, B-E-N-N-O, at realignforresults.com. Thank you for listening and keep growing. You can listen to more episodes on Apple, Spotify, or Google. We would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review it. Share it with your friends or colleagues if you enjoyed the content. Always growing.